So I'll just start off with a very quick prayer. Um, so in Jesus' name. Uh, um, Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for bringing all of us here today. Thank you for this time that you've given us, given me to be able to facilitate this conversation on what the church is. And I ask that the time that we spend together, that we're able to learn something new and that um, moving forward, we can take the things that we've learned and apply them in our everyday lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Um, can you? Amen. Amen. <laughs> we're all muted. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. Um, so, what is the church? Firstly, this is a very big question. Um, so I'm going to approach it from a couple of different angles and at the end just like open up the floor to everyone because I've not obviously not covered everything that could possibly answer the question of what is the church um, hopefully together we can all come to a better understanding together and move forward with it. Um, so I suppose firstly like if you were to go out in the street and ask a random person um, what is the church or what is a church their response usually would be to just point to a building that's like at the end of the road and be like, yeah, that's the church or that cathedral over there, that's the church. But um, I'm assuming that we can all agree as the beginning point of our discussion that the church isn't a building and the church is just the group of people. And as we continue to discuss more, we'll define um, more about what that group of people is, what those group of people do, or what the original intention for that group of people was to be. So yeah, like I said, um, the church is an assembly of God's people. Um, so looking again at the word church, um, I've written it down with capital letter C, so a big C, and I've written it down with a little C. So if we start off firstly with the little C, and we can define the church as being the local church. So that would be a gathering of all the people who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And these people are committed to meet regularly for worship, for prayer, for teaching, for fellowship. And they're also meeting to help make disciples of all people. So if we look um, further into that definition that I've come, come at, um, it basically is saying that the local church is a gathering of people who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, number one. So that number one point is the unified belief of all these people together in the gospel. Uh -huh. And that's the core of like all true local churches. And the local church are also helping to make disciples of all people. And that was what we were set out to do by Jesus. So if you look at Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with thee always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Um, so and um, basically, that's like a quick summary, I suppose, of what the local church is. And um, the local church is under the lordship of Christ and also committed to serving one another. Um, so if like your local churches, that would be, for example, um, 
why did I say for example like um the church that leads this group that we're all here part of that's an example of a local church um and then on the side we've got the big c church the capital letter c church um and that ultimately is just um the global church so this is all believers worldwide no matter what color their skin is no matter their age no matter their gender um from who have been saved by christ from the day of pentecost all up until the day he returns so that's like basically all members of the christian family from the beginning of everything up until today and beyond today so that would be the big church and so i'm going to read a passage um, about the original church and then after i've read it i'm going to ask some questions about it so open it up to the floor of people so this passage is taken from acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 And this is the King James Version. So, and they, and whenever it says they, it's referring to the original members of the church. So, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And there came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Uh And may the Lord bless this reading. Amen. Um, so my question to everyone are, what are the things that these Christians did when they gathered? And what similarities and what differences do you see in your church or the church of 2021? Nice question. The floor is open. <clears throat> yeah, the floor is open. Can you unmute yourself? And go for it. Uh, use the chat thread if you want to. Okay. Can I answer the first question? Absolutely. Yeah. Can I? Yeah, go on. Okay. So the first question is what did the Christians do when they gathered? According to that scripture, they worship they follow the uh, apostles doctrine the mm-hmm. fellowship the worship they also break bread together yeah that's that's what they do okay. um, praise the lord Hallelujah. just to take it from where um how do how to stop um so yes um they fellowship in love um, and the similarities, um, I would say the similarities to my church, the Apostolic Church Liverpool, is that the, the, the love, the reason I'm there, and when I, when I came in, is, is the love they share with each other, the genuine fellowship. And this is what I also see in that passage, genuine fellowship in Christ. 
So, and this is the similarities I see in my church as well. There's this genuine love that every single person shows in its in in his or our own individual space, and then brings it in into the church. Thank you. That's brilliant. Thank you. Praise God. Um, ah. What I would like to say is what I what what I found profound in church that I'm not seeing now is how that they had all things in common. It seems these days everyone has their own agenda, motive, and like you're hesitant to be as open as you want to do in church and things like that. So I think that's the part I'm not seeing. And that's the part I had lots of expectations about it's that. But I, had to, but I had to kind of reduce it to fit into the context of my church and the realities of life, I suppose. Thanks. Okay, for me, um, and I like to jump in here because it's quite similar to um, what Sister just said. And my, I'll probably throw it out as a question as well. Like, um, is, it, is it actually feasible these days um, that, um, you know, as we hear about the church back then, how they sell their stores, put the money together, you know, anything yeah. you have, everybody. Whatever you have is everybody's own, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I'm just wondering, can we say that that's uh, possible these days? Like, is it is it actually feasible that oh. we can have that these days? Oh. Um, can I can I say something? Um, oh. effort, nice one, if like I said earlier, um, I love this topic. Is uh, is something that is close to my heart. <laughs> If we study the books of Acts of Apostles, it's the only book in the Bible that will end on the day Jesus will come. Because when they write the final Acts of Apostles, they are going to put up what is happening now. Maybe it could be chapter 5,000 and something, verse 22. And they gather together and they were discussing about the church. So when we see, I think the problem is the encounter. One of the things that um, I always ask God for is a personal encounter with him. All those early churches had a personal encounter with God. I think um, there was a point in the scriptures that um, the Lord appeared to the apostles. And what did he say? He breathed on them, the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They were transferring the same teaching to the and other people, and they say that they grew up, they grew in numbers such as should be saved. So people were coming to church not because they want to receive divine healing. People were coming to church not because they want to be able to get their British papers. People were coming to church because they loved God. They had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So I think the difference between the church now which brother Dami asked, and the church then is that one, the church now is the end time church where there will be deception, Matthew chapter 24, 25, is it 24, 25? I can't remember now. Where they say there will be deception. Now, because there will be deception, God said that let, their, let them um, uh, allow the wheat and the corn to grow up. At the end of the day, we'll cut off the one that is rich. Uh, that is what you have now. People are now coming to Christianity for different selfish reasons, which is what Sister Anu said. People are not coming to Christianity because they had an encounter like Paul. 
Saul had an encounter on his way to Damascus. And that is why you see people like Barnabas. He was selling his land for the gathering, for the Christians, for the early church. He was selling his land and buying and be putting the whole money down to the post so that people, they can be able to solve people's needs. And what do we do now? People are taking money from the church to go and buy land and acquire lands. So I think the problem is what did you encounter or who called you? You know, if we, if we use a popular Nigerian phrase. So I think it's the, the, that level of encounter. Did you, did you encounter the Holy Spirit? Did you encounter Jesus? Or did we just go to church? And because of that, that's why you cannot go to church and leave your phone on the pill and go to, I'm sorry, I'm talking from a Nigerian point of view, but you cannot leave your phone and then say you're going for Holy Communion. Probably by the time you come back from Holy Communion, you probably will not see that phone again. You know, so I think that's the difference between them. I think they had a true test of who they were serving. But what we right. have now is, people are coming to God for what, for transaction, what God can do for them and not actually why that they met God or what God, what they can do for God. I think it's more like a transaction. Praise God. Uh, yeah. okay. Any other thoughts? Okay, okay, back to you. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of metaphors in the Bible that's used to describe the church and uh, pick three of them and um, I'll just go over those three and be interacting with you guys again and just asking for input and discussing everybody's thoughts. Um, first metaphor that I've got is that the church is the bride of Christ and um, personally I think it's a bit of a weird metaphor um, because it's like so as we've, I've already, we've already agreed earlier, it's the people who are the church. So us people here, so you're trying to tell me that we're Christ's wife, that's a bit weird. Um, so in order to understand it a bit better, um, it's good to look at the times at which these metaphors are used and written within the Bible. So um, back in Bible times, um, when a man wanted to propose, he would pay a girl's father for the chance to ask her to marry him. And then the man would sit at a table with the girl's whole family. And during the meal, he would offer her a cup of wine. And this proposal, so this is basically like a proposal. So the girl could say yes, the girl could say no. And this is just like um, in front of his whole family. So it's a bit scary. <laughs> it, it is. It's a lot of pressure because she could say no and you've already paid that chance to ask her to marry you and the girl could say no but what that um, used to symbolize back then um, is kind of like symbolizing the covenant so the man trying to make the covenant to say he promises to fulfill his part wife doesn't and his part would be to love her unconditionally um, so when then so what the groom does is he goes away to prepare a house for him and his wife and then the couple don't see each other until the father of the groom says that the house is ready um so I suppose this example if we relate it to Christ and we relate it to what he means by he's the bride of Christ is 
Um, Jesus at the Last Supper offered the disciples to drink some wine. And it was his covenant basically saying, um, if you accept this cup, um, I'm promising to love you forever as your savior. So ultimately the bride of Christ um, metaphor is just describing God's unfailing love for his church, mm. for people. Um, his love is so much that he sacrificed everything just for us. So that's what the metaphor is saying. That's what the church is. It's something so prized that um, Christ, God, loves so much, unconditionally redeemed endlessly and were showered with mercies every day. But literally nothing that we did, we didn't do, even do anything to deserve this love. But um, that's how the metaphor of the church is the bride of Christ goes. Um, and in addition to that, um, I said earlier that when a man would propose to his wife, he'd then go away and prepare a house. And then when the man's dad says the house is ready, that's when the bride can come. So as Christ church, um, we're also meant to be preparing for his return. And by preparing for his return, that is for us to share the good news of Jesus's unending love throughout the whole world. Um, so I've got some more think and share questions. Um, so what, so like I said, I thought it was a bit weird, the bride of Christ, that's just a strange metaphor. So what was your first thought when you hear that um, the church is the bride of Christ? And why do you think that the Bible uses this particular metaphor to describe his church? I can go first on that. <clears throat> uh, the, the first time I heard it, I mean, like gave it a thought, and that's not tonight, of course. I thought that it's kind of sounds to me like a legitimization of polygamy, because I'm like, so if Christ is the bridegroom and we are the bride then he's got lots of wives <laughs> so it's okay to have lots of wives that was the first weird <laughs> um, thoughts that i had about it of course i knew that that didn't sound right even in my mind i knew it didn't sound right so it probed some other questions that eventually led me down um the understanding that you've just shared with us so yeah but that was the first thing that came to my mind when i first gave you the thoughts Any other person? I think the first thing that came to my mind when I heard that term was that I'm precious to God. Mm. Like it, 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 it being a bring him being my bridegroom kind of symbolizes a like I'm delicate that I'm dainty, like like a very fragile thingy in the hands of this God. Like it was, it made me feel special. So. Although I, I'm just knowing the full meaning now from what Effie just said, which is poor of me, but yeah, but that's how I felt. So Effie, thank you for sharing your understanding of the of it. It's very nice. I like that. Um, for me, I am just also here. Um, I I would say from the perspective uh, perspective Effie just gave it was superb. But just imagine, uh, Sister No. Has ten dollars, or sorry, ten pounds, and uh, she can't have ten pounds. I'm a prophet. Let's assume that Sistano has two hundred thousand uh, pounds now, and then uh, 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 Uncle now allow me to talk. So 
then um, Pastor Ola is uh, a prince, you know, in Nigeria, and he doesn't know that uh, uh, he's a prince, so he has a lot of money. So one of the things that when I know that I'm the bride of Christ, I'm just giving a narration. Is a narrative is this coming to America? Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, something like that. So Sister Anu changes her name to bro uh, to uh, uh, Pastor Last name, and then she she goes to Nigeria to Pastor Last kingdom. Pastor Ola does not need to. Pastor Ola does not need to be in that. Uh, Sorry, guys. Pastor Ola does not need to be in that uh, city for Sister Anu to say. I am the bride of Pastor. I just I am the bride of Pastor. I will make the Nollywood type of uh, maidens to start spraying flower for her, and she'll be working on it. So that is what I am. When I give my life to Christ, yeah. there was an exchange. There was a substitute. That exchange, and that exchange yeah. is that I took the name Genesis chapter five, and the both of them, God called them Adam. No, no, is it, um, how did he put it? It's Genesis chapter 5, Sha. I can't remember the, uh, the, 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 it's verse 1, either between verse 1 and verse 5, where yeah. God called the both of them Adam. So I took up the name, I took up the righteousness of Christ in that. So being the bride of Christ now, when I went to Marinato, I went with Henry and my friends. We now came together. When God is going to come, he's going to come with the host of angels, and the host of heaven to come and do what to come and marry me, you know. So that's the, that's the mindset. So when I'm going to something and when I'm going through things, I'm like I'm the apple of God's eyes. I see myself like um, a, 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 a precious uh, thing that a precious person to God that He has given me His name. So the the way that Sister Anu will go to. Pastor, I say, Peter, I don't know your state in Nigeria, but the way you should go to your village and and just say, I am um, Ano Ola, and then the respect, they don't need you to be there to give her that respect that she has. It's the same way that I'll come and say, I am the apple of God's eyes. And they'll be like, Oh my God, that's the bride of Christ. That's the bride of Christ. So it's not literally that I'm I'm having, and then you know, when we now have that fellowship, that koinonia with God and all that, our daily fellowship with God, that is where we now, you know, in the physical realm where we talk about having intercourse with with one another, men, married people. But but what, what we now talk about is that you come in in the spiritual realm, they are looking at, oh my God, this person has got the seal of the living God. Recently, God has been guiding and um, leading me towards that dimension of the seal of the living god and i'll just say one line when well, just a few sentences and then i'll stop when we talk about the bride of christ on a layman's level or looking at it physically i can't i would not want to believe it just like we have all said it but there is something that god said he said that in in revelation when the trumpet will sound the angels will run and go and take the people that has the seal of the living god on them and that seal of the living God is what is like your ring, you know, when you're getting married. And each and every one of us, if you have the seal of the living God, that is when God will come and take you as his bride, as his bride. 
So I, 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 I don't see it more, I see it more as a privilege. I don't really see it in the, in the physical point of view in the sense that we are talking about, because sometimes I've had this discussion with my brothers, uh, my brothers and it was difficult for us to see it from the physical, from the physical dimension to see and understand it. But when you look at it as that point of the, the, the spiritual dimension, when we talk about the seal of the living God, the Holy Spirit, you know, God has put the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. So that means in the spiritual realm, I am not seeing Sister Anu as a woman, but I'm seeing her as a what? As a being, as a, as a spiritual being. You know, I've not seen it. I'm not saying I'm the one. I'm talking of in the spiritual realm. You know, you there is it, there is there is this seal on our faces which we cannot see, but it's only uh, 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 God that knows His people that He has put those seals. So when I talk about the Bride of Christ, it gives me a very big privilege to know that um, I am I am a chosen of God, and it also helps me to treat one another. Because when I see that, if I know Efe is a bride of Christ, I'm not going to treat Efe anyhow because Efe is my co-wife, if I put it that way. It's funny, I know, but uh, she's, she's <laughs> my co-wife. And I cannot treat my co-wife, you know, in a funny place. I have to treat her with love because that's what God said. He said, treat your neighbor as yourself. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, can I have something quickly, please? Yep. Okay, um, I just want to look at it from this stance. Uh, what do we think about the metaphor? Um, if we hear the phrase uh, bride of Christ, then there's a bridegroom and the bridegroom is Christ. And um, I don't know if we can now say, um, okay, um, Christ is the bridegroom of the old church, but can we as individuals call ourselves the church? Like me as a single Christian now, can, am I the church? I don't think that might be appropriate. The church is a collective body. But look at Paul when he was going all over the place, Egypt and all these places. He probably went as an entity, but he carried the full force of every other Christian with him. You know, like the church was with him. So when we say the bride of Christ, the way that the bridegroom is, which is um, one of the big things in Christianity, fellowship, togetherness, and even with the family, when they say... Uh, the man is the head, just like Christ is the head of the church. So he's like husband of all of us, like we've all said. Um, I think from um, First Peter um, chapter 2, 9, we are a royal priesthood. And I remember personalizing that I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Am I the whole nation? <laughs> I'm a people called by, do you understand? Yes. Yeah, so talking about all of us as um, Christ being the bridegroom and we the bride, uh, I never really saw it from the polygamous side, <laughs> like the way we are polygamousizing the same situation. But I say as Christ, it all goes back to the, the, the verse all Christians know, um, John 3, 16, um, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So it just shows, it goes to show us the extent Christ went for us. Mm. And that is the place of a bridegroom. That is the place of a husband. Like we've all said, just putting us out putting it all out there coming to die for us saving us all of the all of those sacrifices just because he loved us so much and it's all in that law love he loves us so much and we answer to him because he made us with the goddess and the three of them all together yeah so um that, that's how i see anyway like yeah um I'm, I'm christ's bride just like all of us are and we're all one with him 
it never really confused me, but it's good to see the fresh ideas. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if, um, sorry, I guess, I guess so. Oh, go on, go on, um, Dari. Yeah, so um, I was saying that for me, um, <clears throat> I never really thought anything too deep up to, to it. Mm. You know, uh, for me, it just helped me in my own marriage life, you mm. know, to mm. stand that if God can call me as bad as I am, his bride, then um, I should love my, my wife, you know, <laughs> no matter how I think, um, no yeah, what, what she's done is or what, I, I, no matter how bad I feel, you know, about whatever it is, um, mm. I should still love her because I know that God loves me regardless. Um, yeah. You know, he, he calls me right in my in that my you know bad state. Then yeah. I should love my bride in that in that same way as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. I like that. Okay, I was going to say that I don't know if uh, in, you, you said you add other metaphors. If the body mm -hmm. of Christ is one of them, but I'm not going to talk extensively on that. I just wanted to use that as. Um, to say one of the ways it made sense to me, uh, especially in terms of my polygamizing the imagery initially, and it's not polygamy is not the only problem that comes with that kind of thinking. The other thing that comes with that kind of thinking is Jesus is supposedly a man, and I'm a man, so Jesus is gay, he's homosexual. But when you understand that, um, we are. I mean, there are so many metaphors for the church, um, one of which is the body of Christ in the sense that I'm just a part of the body. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul went on to just break that down. Some people are like the head, some are like the fingernails, some are like the whatever, just different parts of that body um, makes the whole body. So Jesus is, I mean, the bride of Christ is the whole body. That's the big C church to use if his analogy. Um, but that can be appropriated on an individual basis. I'm part of the bride of christ whether i am the backside or I'm, I'm just the hand or just the finger or just the toenail whichever part of that body that i am the good thing is without me in a sense that body is not complete i'm an essential part of that of that body so yeah i just thought to chip that in as well that's how it oh. makes sense praise the lord sorry um, can i just add something as well um it just came to my mind about the parable of the ten virgins oh. and how five were foolish and five were wise and how the wise ones actually had enough oil for their lambs as they were expecting the bridegroom so it came to it came to my mind to say that as wives as we're whole brides as women, actually, let's just say we, I'm using it in a perspective of women. We have this, which I know the men also have, but we have so much um, responsibilities of having to strategize and plan. So which also men has. So if, the, if, if Christ used this metaphor as brides, and when we talk about bride in, in our normal ethics uh, system, we talk about women, yeah? yeah? So I see him expecting us to have that strategy, have that wisdom, be wise as brides, wow. be wise like the, the five wise virgins that had enough oil. And 
making sure that through the sanctification pro pro process to glorification, you are foiling that lamp at all times. As um, Dr. Kingsley said earlier, that the devil is not resting. So keep foiling the lamps. Don't be like the five foolish ones that used everything and ran out of it and they didn't meet the bridegroom when he came. So that's what came to my mind. Thank you. That's brilliant. Wait, oh, sorry. I said back to you. Oh, okay. Um, so I really like that last one. Um, yeah. that's really um, so going off of Pastor Allah's contribution, um, the second metaphor is the church is the body of Christ. Uh -huh. So we are the body of Christ living out his great commission. And um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, um, I won't read more than just verse 13. Um, it says, but by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bonded or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So I suppose that's just basically saying we are all part of the body of Christ, no matter what your background is, whether you're a slave, you're not a slave, you're free, you're not free, you're from Nigeria, you're from Manchester, you're from wherever it is you're from. Um, and then in Ephesians um, chapter, chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, it says, And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So this body that's the church, um, Jesus is the head of this um, body, and all members of the body are under submission to Christ as he's the head of the body. Um, so with Jesus as the head of us, like with Jesus as the head of the church, we can't function without his instruction you can't function function without him sending out information to the various different parts to do what the various different parts are required to do. Uh. And more specifically, as parts of the body of Christ, um, everyone plays a role. There's something that everybody can do to ensure that the body is able to function. Um, no role is more important or less important than another role. They all contribute to making things work and if you think about the human body it's very complicated very organized but ultimately it's a living organism uh. church is an organic living organism as part of the body of christ therefore we must all be spiritually alive as we're partaking in the different roles that we have to be partaking in um, so my questions based upon this metaphor, um, this is just more for everyone to think about themselves. So a little soul searching um, is what roles can you play or do you already play within your church? As we've now learned that the church is living. So what can we actively be doing to functions? I will give you a couple, some time to think on that. Uh. Um, can I speak? Yeah. Yeah, hello, everyone. Hi. So I feel that the best role you can play as a member of a church or as part of a church, it does basically be your brother's keeper. I mm. think that's what really makes a church a church. Everyone looking out for each other as a family. 
I think that's the the that should be the topmost. Just basically be your brother's keeper and look out for each member of the church. Yeah. I like that. Oh, oh, I I really like that. Um, and. Moving on to the final metaphor that I picked, um, we've got the church is the family of God. Uh. Sorry, my notes have paused. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to start off by reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19. So in this passage, Paul says, Now therefore... Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. So through Christ, we're all adopted into his family. And again, it's not by our works, but it's by his love. And the family of God is bigger than our own families. And like I've said many times before, it transcends race, it transcends gender, it transcends culture. So like the whole theme of the church is that there's a oneness and it's all unified together. So it doesn't matter like what we're seeing on the external or the different ways we describe ourselves because um, with Christ and as part of the church, we are one like unified body moving a family. And uh, last time we had um, our meeting, Pastor spoke about the Trinity um, so the part of the Trinity that I'll pull on is the Father. The, in this, the church being the family of God, the Father of the church is, it, well, God is the Father of the church, should I say. So you guys think about the role that a father plays within a household, like how he's like a shelter, he's protecting people, he's loving everybody, providing for their needs. Um, when you're part of this family of God, you know that your father will protect and provide and do all of those things for you as um, being part of the family of God. And um, we get to share the good news of God's love to others. And what we're doing um, by doing that is just extending an invitation to people to just be like, come join our family. And um, as part of the church, we're pretty privileged to know because what he's the maker of the universe um, he existed before time began and he gets to be the one that we get to call father members of the church a pretty big deal like if you let that sink in um so my questions based on this metaphor there's quite a few um so what is your relationship like with your earth and family who are people in your life who are part of the family of God? How can you show others their value as God's children this week? And how can viewing those around you as part of God's family help you love them better? You can share, you can think, you can comment, um, whatever. I think I think what, what this this questions kind of tie back to the point I've raised in the first um, Bible verse you read. <clears throat> However, the first church in Acts, they were 
the way what was the word was it unified in all things mm-hmm. yeah they yeah they add all things in common maybe they don't really have like all things like all personal things in common who they had in common was jesus and god and that made them unified that's why they could sell their things um for like they could like sell their whole possession and give it to other people that, that are in need so maybe to us it's not just to look for people that are like minds in church and just to love unconditionally just to see them as your brother like i think someone said like nika said she said oh, sorry stanike stanike said she said um the basic thing we have to do is just being our brother's keeper and mm. and and i think that's one of the fuel for me that's what makes me easily overlook things or no one to argue or state my point or clarify things as running in my mind is just to be like just freestyle like this is not about me it's not about Anu in as much as um, other people are not up to my expectation I also am not up to their expectation so we are all kind of struggling together so yeah it's just best to just love as much as you can and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit you won't miss it thank you thank you I think um, someone raised up a hand them, um, uh, Busola or something. Okay, Busola, go on. Okay, still. <laughs> okay, yes, I did. But I was going to share something um, Mama Elias already said. I was going to talk about how, um, as Christians, um, it's, it's okay. It's actually good that we also see others as um, God's children. The, the thing is, I think, I, okay, I, I, I'm actually, I've been guilty of this. There was this time in my life that I, you know, I would see someone do something wrong and I'm like, God, so why are you this patient with this person? Why is this um, person getting all the old thing? And I think I got a reply at some point that he's actually patient with me too. And it's not like I am, I am actually the best person in that sense. He's just patient with me. So it's okay if he's not patient. I'm actually answering the last question. How can being those around you as part of God's family help you love them better? So understanding that... um. God actually loves them and they actually are, we actually at um, various levels of growth. And um, of course, people can actually do things that could, you know, make you wonder if they are really part of God's family in the real sense of it. But understanding that we are all growing as Christians together could help you love them better. That's what I was going to say. Thank you. Nice one, Ma. Praise the Lord. Uh, I, I just want, I want to contribute to what is your relationship like with your earthly family and who are people in your life who are part of the family of God. So um, this part, uh, after reading the Bible and every time when I've learned so far that the family of God is very important, more than your own um, earthly family. So every time I'm like, you know what? If that is the case, then how can my my earthly family be the family of God as well? Then that way, I know that (laughs) there's no difference. (laughs) They are my family and also they are family of God. So every time I'm like, you know, all of you, you must accept Christ too. (laughs) So we are all, I tend to want to share the word of God as well so that we fellowship together apart from all the when when we were young and doing all the money devotion and everything no not just that now i want it now i want you to be part 
of the family of God. I don't want it to just be at the earthly family. So now I'm always happy when I can say, you are my earthly family. And at the same time, you're the family of God. Because that way, I think I have this, I'm very happy with it. And I just feel satisfied with it. Thank you. Yeah, can I say something quickly? Um, I, the first question, relationship with earthly father. I found out that um, our relationship with our earthly father affects our relationship with God. You know, knowingly or knowingly or unknowingly, our relationship with our earthly father affects. And one of the things it has done for me is because I know this, I am there's a passage that said that God was saying that for Abraham, I know that he's going to teach my ways to his children. Pastor, the day I read that miss that that place, I shook. My dad. Uh, 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 led us to Christ literally like from the day I was born up to today we've never missed any money devotion in my house but I'm not going to talk about that but I'm trying to bring out how am I going to reveal my God's ways to my children it has made me see that the way I treat my kids is the way they are going to think that God treats us because, yeah, that is the way I'm going to think. So if I'm open-minded, if I, if, I'm, if I leave my arms open for them, that means they are going to be able to see God as a father. Because if you, if you don't leave your... I, I saw a birthday uh, message that uh, Joshua wrote for Pastor Lack. You know, one of the things that made me love it is the fact that he said, um, Pastor Lack plays keyboard, dances with them. So... To Joshua, a pastor is God to Joshua. And that is how he sees God. If so, if Pastor like Abel's to tell Joshua, do you know that God can bring out time to dance for you and sing for you? He's going to understand it. But if Pastor Lai is like, sit down here, or when he comes everywhere, you know the way our fathers were now. When they come to a place, everybody everywhere calms down, you know, everybody calms down. So it will take time for you to understand God as a father because you feel like, oh my God, I just lied. Hey, God has killed me. Hey, what should I do? So you cannot even come to God, you know, telling him, I'm sorry, daddy, I just lied. Please forgive me. So it has taught me to be a different type of father to children in the sense where, because I know that because I was trying to preach to someone and the person was telling me that my father molested me when I was young and he was a strong member of a church. So how do I expect this? And God was watching him. So how is that father also? So you see that that father's uh, molesting him has damaged his mindset about who God is. And you now need the Holy Spirit to do that job. So it has made me, I don't want it to happen to my children. So I try to be a try to be a father that they could relate with, so that when I'm introducing God to them, they are able to relate to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Kingsley. Thank you, Dr. Kingsley. I, like I, I really do like enjoy that. <laughs> and like in the acts of not just fathers and mothers as well. Because while growing up, my mom like she beats me like anything. So I'm always scared to tell her things. 
So, and then um, as he's talking, as I'm talking, he was talking, I'm trying to think about when I actually sin and offend God. How scary I used to be and like, daddy, please forgive me. I'm sorry. Mm. You know, this kind of thing before coming to understand that there is no condemnation. So I think from the beginning, when our parents, we as parents, when we start giving our children that love to understand that sometimes you can make mistakes and you can get back up and apologize and say you're sorry and you're not condemned. This, this love, you just have that sense as well to God to say he's my dad, is my mom, is my everything. I can always come boldly to just apologize and is going to welcome me back in at any time. I'm free to speak with him however I want. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. Yes, you. <laughs> okay, um, so those are pretty much my three metaphors. So coming to a close, um, I thought it'd be nice if we could all just read out these statements wherever we are uh, on the screen in front of you. You can mute your mic, unmute your, unmute your mic, whatever you like. You can say one, two, three, go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, go. And this one I'll read. Um, so a couple of songs come to mind, um, Kate will came to mind when I was um, typing this. Um, so the first one, I'll sing a little bit of it real briefly, and then the next one, then I'll read it. So, uh-oh. Okay, so the first one is, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So basically, church is not about us. Uh. Our local church, the global church, is not perfect, but it's really not about us. It's about the fullness of the bride, the body, the temple, and the family of God, and about expanding and advancing the kingdom so that everyone will know God's love. And there's nowhere in the Bible where it says the church is about finding programs that we like or doing things our way, like told to be the church. So this just means loving and serving one another because it's, it's really, 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 really not about us. And I can't remember the other song, um, but move on. So could we all say this as well? So three, two, one, go. We are the we church. Are the church. Oh. Yeah. I am the church. We. We are the, the church. church. Okay, we. We are the church. <laughs> and um, the closing points, um, this is just open to the floor and then I hope Pastor Allah will take it from here. Um, so how else can we describe the church? Um, what other New Testament metaphors can you think of? And what's your next step as part of the church? Uh, please, I have a question for you, Efe. Yeah. For the help, please, now. <laughs> um, 
the question is this. Growing up in Nigeria, uh, or we have this mindset of on a Sunday, we wear church clothes, we wear church behavior, and then we wear church attitude and go to a building for a church. And then on a Monday, or even Sunday, you know, like that, we wear, we wear another another behavior. I'm so sorry about the background. But that's what <laughs> you're, not, you're not wearing your church behavior right now. <laughs> So I'm hearing you, so continue. So uh, the second, uh, now, uh, on Monday, we wear our Monday behavior and all that. Do we have part-time Christians or like, is it like, do we have to be a different behavior on a Sunday because we are going to church or are, are we actually the church going to our workplaces? If you get my question. Yeah, I get your question. Very simply, yeah, go to church. 24 7, seven days a week. So I shouldn't be wearing church clothes. I should wear the same clothes to church. The same clothes I wear to church and the same attitude. I should also wear it to, to wear different places I'm going to. Right? As long as all of it is positive and good and lovely, yeah. Okay, thank you, Efe. I feel that Sister No wants to say something, but let me just move Oh, no, I'm just laughing at you. I'm trying to look for something that make me tease you. Yet. Oh goodness. <clears throat> Any other comments? Any other thoughts? If that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I I I learned so much. And thanks to everyone's contribution. I've learned so much as well. So I'm wondering if there's any other person that has a thoughts before we tie it together, say what a prayer and we're done for this evening. Uh sorry, someone has a contribution. Sorry. Good evening, yeah. everyone. Good evening. Um I've been listening, but I haven't been speaking because of some reason. Uh, so uh, I think the one thing I was going to add was about, because um, in this section about the bride of Christ, mm. the thing that came to me was love. And I think the whole story of marriage is all about people that love each other coming together. And uh, so as regards to the church, which we know, uh, church, and, church of Christ on earth, I think John 3.16 says, for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son. And first John 3.16 says that, uh, I know it's the reverse. Since God has loved us, we also likewise to love one another. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in the place of loving one another and seeing everyone as the church. So I think, or I believe that the church should, be more, should grow more abundantly in love as well. And today I was listening to something about justice, like, what we define as giving justice, but the thing that I was going to relate to that is forgiveness as well. It's mm -hmm. not about um, someone I've sinned. Obviously, the, the punishment of sin is death, or as the Bible say. But there is also the an intermediate of before you get to that point of the consequence of your sin. There is also the part of forgiveness, which I think the Bible also says that love covers a multitude of sin. So if the church passes more of like more of love and forgiveness and because I, I see a lot of times we build doctrines and human structure like obviously like yeah this the, the nation they did better than the other ones but no one is trying to see the common ground of how we all fit into the one body of christ and not what divides us divide us as it, as uh, individuals mm -hmm. yeah thank you Thank you so much. <coughs> Sorry.
any other thoughts? Um, Sister Anu, it's good to see your smile. This this slept so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Okay, um, <clears throat> I, I think I just have one one oh, one or two thoughts <clears throat> to as we tie it together, and that's to say, okay, on the one hand, I mean, the, the Bible is filled with, the New Testament is full of lots of images and metaphors um, beyond the ones that um, FA has used for us to find, but I really, really, really do love those three because I think they are very central. The, the church is also like the temple of the Holy Spirit, which if you take that and link that to what we are discussing last week about who is the Holy Spirit, that's another very beautiful imagery um, if we begin to unpack it, know ye not that you, singular and plural, I mean, you can be singular, you can be plural, know ye not that you, Paul was writing to a people, that you are the temple of the, of the spirit of God, and that you have been bought with a price, that's a mind-blowing imagery in and of itself, the church is the kingdom of God, you see Jesus again and again saying, um, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's actually talking about this new reality that we are in, um, or this new family that we are part of. But the, the thought I actually wanted to kind of double click upon is the fact that one thing with metaphors in the Bible is that there is no one metaphor that perfectly captures anything. Whatever it is that we use metaphors to describe every metaphor as its limitations. Let me put it like that. Um, and so even if for whatever reason, one metaphor does not make sense to you because of your reality. Say for example, the person that wouldn't relate with God as father because of his or experience with his earthly father um, should be able to relate with God as the bride, of, I mean, the bridegroom of the church in a sense, or as God as helper, God as many other things that God is, if you get what I mean. Um, but when we bring all these metaphors together, there is something in and of each of them, different emphasis, different nuances. It's going to make you begin to, you can't, you can't feel like you understand what the church is and be depressed. You can't feel like, you really identify yourself with this church of God, this family of God, this body of Christ, this bride of Christ, this temple of the Holy Spirit, this kingdom, in the fullness of all the things that they mean, if it really makes sense to you, there is going to be some, some springs in your steps. There is going to be some joy with which you go into your day that is not dependent on what is happening. You want 5,000 pounds that you have no clue where it's going to come from, but because you're a part of the body of Christ, the limitless one, because you're a part of the family of God, and we're talking of the one who owns the cattle upon the thousand hills, the one who brings forth or speaks forth the things that be not, as though they were just 5,000 pounds, Abba. Uh -uh. It gives you a kind of confidence that is unexplainable. It gives you joy unspeakable. It gives you Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace, it gives you a peace 
that surpasses all human understanding. Everybody is chaotic because of the circumstances, but why they are saying there's a leak, there's a casting down in the very same context, you're saying there is a lifting up and not because you are just trying to be a motivational speaker, but because of an identity that is deeply rooted in who you are, who you are embracing. I think the challenge for us is, is that last thing that Efe has on this, on this slide. What's your next step as part of the church? And I want us to take that away from here to say, I want to I want to unpack this to the point where it's I, I strike a chord. I I I hit a gold mine on, on, on the inside whereby it just you 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 encounter this fun thing that springs on continually. You wake up every morning and there is something to be happy about, there is something to rejoice about in spite of whatever might be going on, in spite of your account balance, in spite of of the deadlines and very many other issues that are in your world. Life happens. We are in the world, but not of the world because we are the church, which again is another imagery on its own. We're a city set on the hill. We're supposed to be the lights. We're supposed to be all of these very many things. Um, and lastly, the, the final thought um, that I want to leave us with as well is, I mean, yesterday I was, uh, I was on a in a program, I, I run this other course called um, Pioneer School, um, London Pioneer School. And we were discussing yesterday about, our discussion end up broaching on the issue of the reputation of the church. How some people now uh, see the church, they're in the world, but they have a perception about the church that makes them just naturally anti-church. They don't want to have anything to, especially in the Western world where many of us are now. Um, and by the time we began to unpack that, we, we see that really sometimes it's not because they have an issue with the church. It's because they have an issue with a denomination. They have an issue with a ministry. They have an issue with an expression of something that has been labeled church. They have an issue with someone that supported this political agenda and was doing it in the name of a church or in the name of a Christian movement. And that, that made us to reach this sober point where we're like, whatever thing we are pioneering in the name of the Lord, whether that be a church plant, whether that be a ministry, whether that be um, just even some social club that Christ is at the center of it, whether that be a mass youth group, we want to do it in a way that whoever encounters us or comes close to that interface of experiencing what we are doing, we'll have a good reputation of who our father really is. We are ambassadors, I like that imagery, representative, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors. We represent, we're diplomats. We are not of this world, our kingdom citizenship is, is of another realm in that sense. But even from that realm with which we identify, we live in this realm in a way that is dignifying in a way that is irresistible. One of my favorite writers, Andy Stanley, wrote a book a couple of years ago titled it Irresistible, and he's describing what he thinks the church should be, the kind of church of the first century that they would say of them, they've turned the world upside down. They would persecute them, they would do all sorts of things about them, but at the same time, they can tell that these ones are being with Jesus. They can tell that there is something different. They are simply irresistible. Let's be irresistible at our place of work, 
at our schools, in our departments, in our ministries, in whatever it is that we're doing, irresistible. Take that word with you as you go into the rest of this month. The Lord bless us in Jesus' name. Can we pray together?